Welcome to season two of the Shopstool podcast, a podcast for woodworkers and the maker community in general. With Joey Chalk from King Post Timberworks, Brian Cush from Sawdust Bureau, and Robin Lewis from Robin Lewis Makes. Hi everyone, I hope you're all very well. This is episode 24, season two of the Shopstool podcast. As always, I want to start by introducing my two co-hosts. We have two today, um, unlike last week. So Joey, how are you? Yeah, very good. How are you going, Robin? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. And Brian, how's it going, that in? Going pretty good, Robin. I believe, I believe you're very cold down there this morning. It's a little bit chilly in Melbourne, but we're going to have a lovely sunny day, so no complaints. Yeah. yeah. And my name is Robin Lewis. Welcome to the show, everyone. Um, so... Uh, for anyone who listened to the show last week, you will have um, heard that Joey wasn't with us. I assume, Joey, you've had a pretty pretty busy couple of weeks. Yes. Um, what did we miss? Well, a whole lot of stuff. It's gone from like, like I think I'd mentioned previously that I, I had a bunch of work come in kind of post lockdown uh, of jobs from pre-lockdown inquiries. And so that kind of made me busy, but there was no new stuff coming in. Well, in the last, well, this week, it's just the phone has just been off the hook, literally just ringing. Probably yesterday I had four inquiries, the day before, like six inquiries in, in a day, which is outrageous. And um, some of them are tire kickers and jobs that are, you know, dubious. But um, the fact that people are still out and about mm. looking for things suddenly, and, and what I've been hearing is the same from other, other guys that just flat out can't can't keep up with the workload that's coming in um which is awesome i think it's partly i guess to do with the fact that a lot of kiwis are getting behind the um you know help help kiwi businesses out kind mm. of momentum and, and are trying to spend money where they can it surprises me a bit but um i'm happy to do what i can so i'm gonna have to get my employee back now because i just can't keep up so um that's, That's a good not, positive sign, anyway. What, what yeah. type of jobs, Joey? Mainly sort of built-in and reno work rather than furniture work? or um, it's uh, The bigger ones are relating to new homes and big renovations. So the reason I missed last week's episode was because a client suddenly decided they wanted to drop by and talk about um, a double set of spiral stairs for their mm. new house. Really they're want just, to hear about this. Yeah, and they're just building their foundations now. And the job's been in the pipeline for probably since December, I think. Um, and so they just signed a, on the dotted line last week to have me build those. So that the, it's been a bit tricky because the design has kept changing. And, and um, so we're now at a level playing field with design. And so, so I'm just waiting for them to build the house so I can actually measure how big they have to be before because I can't do anything until the framing is built. Um, what, are, what are the details of it again? Of so you've got a three-story house and they, they need uh, two, two, sets, two sets of stairs. There's a giant three-meter by three-meter stairwell in the middle of the house and um, you're going to look down from the top and the first set turns 90 degrees. So it's pretty straightforward, kind of an arc of a, a radius. And then underneath that, there's another set arcing the other way so you have kind of two sets of stairs doing that when you look down from the top. So making kind of two arches, it's a bit tricky, but um, they're actually the ex pretty much the same set of stair 
just turned 90 degrees so I really just have to make the same thing twice um, and put them stack them on top of each other uh, it's not going to be too difficult but it will be interesting to see what happens um, and material what are you going to be using yeah that's gone all backwards and forwards with the client trying to reduce costs and make it still look how they want it to look and so it's going to be birch plywood laminated for the stringers because they're going to have to be something like 300 by 60 or 300 by 70 glue lamb beams for the, the stringers. And then they want like a floating stair kind of look, so with no risers, so you can see right through the staircase. Um, so that makes things a bit tricky here because we've got regulations about how big the gaps can be between stairs, um, mm. a bit like on a handrail where you, you can't have more than a 100 mil gap between the balusters on a on a handrail so we've got to fill in some of that that gap underneath each tread um, and so there's things to things to consider um, are you doing that by turning the nosing down or what are you we're going to use a bit of angle iron um, okay. and put it underneath because we need to strengthen the step anyway because um, mm, it's stop it, yeah. to, to stop it sagging and we'll have, have the ability for it to sag so we're going to use a bit of like 60 by 60 steel and they're going to be powder coated. Um, and then the handrail, will that be on a curve or is that going yep. to be? It's a, a curved handrail top and then we're going to use solid steel balusters. Um, yeah. It's a bit tricky to, to really know exactly what's happening because we have to have specific engineering for things like that to make it safe and because it's not part of any ex existing building code, it's got to be specifically engineered. And um, the things, some details may change on exactly how the steers are made yet because the engineer hasn't drawn his drawings or done his calculations. So um, it's interesting. I, I yesterday just got an email from the same architect with a similar set of steers. So they want built another set. So I might I might become the curved steer guy for a while. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did you get that job through a building contact, through the architect, through just a random phone call, or what, what was your? That was that. through, like, uh, there's a, um, I don't remember. Huh. I know I got a random phone call, but I don't know if it was through something else. The building, I know that the building company had had quotes for straight stairs from other people, and I, I know that she, the, the building manager was almost fell on, off, off her chair when she saw what the price difference was for curved <laughs> stairs versus straight stairs. Um, and, yeah, I um, imagine. She, Is it she something was, you've done before in your sort of previous life um, when you were building more? I've made or lots of staircases. Yeah, um, I'm curved. familiar with the process. I have done one set of curved stairs, but only like an outdoor set, and they were quite small, but I, right. I've done the process. I know how to do it. Um, I just haven't done it in a full size um, kind of application. Essentially, what we do is just build a full size curved wall in the workshop and use that as our form. We're just going to bend the plywood around this, this full size wall right, to make okay. the stringers. And then you can use that same form to bend glue lamb, the handrail as well. So you use the same form for multiple things. Um, and you have two forms one external curve and one internal curve. So different radii, and then um, 
the way, because we're doing the treads the way we are, kind of floating on steel brackets, it's kind of easy, but I'll, I won't say that yet. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> famous last uh, just all, all those little bits that I'm just yeah. thinking in my head, like, jeez, there's just so much, there's so much to think about with this. Just all the processes are just yeah. completely alien. The, uh, the the biggest thing, I don't know how what, how they're done professionally, I say professionally, by people who do this uh, before, <laughs> um, is drilling the holes for the balusters. Um, because they've got to be plumb. So my theory is to have my stringer attached to my formwork, and then we're going to kind of rig up a, a cheap drill press that can stay vertical and then drill the drill the vertical holes and kind of step our way up the stringer. Um, I think there might so. be a, I think there might be a, just an off-the-shelf sort of drill press that you can do that on, that you sort of, like a, with a clamp on it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it's got a base that you can clamp down and you can just put in a standard drill. Yeah. I've seen I'm Matt Cremona. Sure. Matt Cremona uses it. Um, well, when he's been takes building a, his, it takes, takes a standard, an electric drill. A standard yeah. hand drill? Yeah. Yeah. But is the base just a little platform or is it like, the, does, the, does the supporting kind of arm of the drill press just turn into like an F clamp or something? Because that's what I would, would, would want. <laughs> um... This was the, the one that I saw him using was he was using it vertically and horizontally. Okay. And um, it looked, I mean, it was a pretty chunky thing. He was doing it when he was building his trailer to go through all the steel. Was it his mag drill? It's a magnetic base. Could be. Which I was actually thinking of using because the good thing with the mag drill is that it has the drill bit is parallel to the flat base of the drill. It's made to do that. And with any other drill or drill press kind of set up, often the drill, the drill spindle is off. It's not relative to any straight edge on the drill. Oh, okay. So maybe it's just, mm. right. Okay. So potentially it's more, it's not just So I had a yeah. quick, yeah, I had a quick look around at like a cheap benchtop drill press. You can get for like 200 bucks. You can get a, just a cheaper Ryobi drill press, which mm. I would rip the base off and make, make my own kind of jig that fits straddles over the stair stringer. That'd and be I, so rad. Yeah. Um, and then I can just drill all my all my things vertically um the tricky part is actually doing the drill holes and the underside of the handrail because i would either have to do all that upside down or flip everything upside down and then drill drill upside down but um all these all these bridges i have yet to cross and um i've got a i've got a long way to go yet but you've um, got your fee signed off and yes yeah. the stage you're at now and yeah i've got the first deposit the just waiting for the first deposit and then i'm gonna get the engineer onto it and then I'll relook at the price once I see how much details he changes. Um, Fantastic. <laughs> um, so at the, at the same time, we're, I've got, actually got my dad in the workshop now helping to finish off all these uh, 12 chairs I've been working on. Yeah. Um, so I just really finished them off this morning by getting all the upholstery pieces, this, the seat base and the, the back splat ready for upholstery. So they'll go off to the upholstery next week. And in the meantime, we're putting this Osmo on the, um, the chairs, which is an awesome product, man. Really nice stuff. Talk, so. Talking of, of Osmo, I've had my first foray into hard wax oils. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't use Osmo. It's, it's by a company called Whittle Waxes. It's yeah, um, Evolution, I think yeah. it's called, yeah. First coat, easy, no problem. Second coat, uh, came out a bit blotchy. 
Now, I don't know if that's the way I'm applying it. How did, how did you go with it, Joe? Well, I, I really just was making it up and it worked. So the first <laughs> coat, I just smashed on with a brush and just got a bunch of it brush, soaking okay. all over and then just ragged all the, the excess off. And um, it dried really, I've, I've got the rapid dry stuff because it was a bit colder here than it recommended. Um, and it dried super quick and it's, it felt like a, when it was dry, it felt like a, like a polyurethane first coat of polyurethane, like a really nice buildup. And I was really impressed. And then we just sanded it with um, like 400 grit for the, for the second coat and it just instantly sanded smooth. It was like two swipes sanded and we're just ragging on the, the second coat. And was it um, quite a heavy second coat? Which uh, just like a wet a rag full of of Osmo and just kind of mm. just wiping it on so it's a, a glossy surface. Yeah, see that's where I think I went wrong. So I watched a couple of videos on how to apply it, and one of the approaches is that you take a uh, a, a cloth or even a Scotch Brite pad, which is what I mm -hmm. used, and you you rub it in, you really work it in. Yeah. Right on that first coat, which is what I did. Fine. Doing it on the second coat didn't work so well. And I think that's where it probably gone hit. What I did instead was got the roller out. One of those Monarch rollers worked beautifully, amazing finish. Um, but yeah, so maybe that's what it was, is you need to put a bit of a heavier second coat on. You can't be forcing it in, because yeah, then you I'm get that, that, that tone difference. I'd still, keep, I'd still keep it pretty thin, Robin. Mm. Um, my experience with it is that there is no one way to do it. Like, I would change the way I do it on different, like. If I'm doing a chair, like Joey said, I'll use a brush to get into the corners, but I'll generally just apply it with a rag over most of the frame. If I'm doing a smaller coffee table piece or something, I'll put it on with a roller, and I'll generally roll across the grain to to try to get into um, to get into everything, and then I will rag it off with the grain, and that'll be okay. the same for three coats. Um, and unless I've got a lot of dust settling in it, I'll basically just rub off the duff, dust nibs with the 3M mm -hmm. um, pad. Yeah, Whereas right. if I'm doing it on a massive dining table or boardroom table or something, I'll pour the Osmo directly onto the table and use like a, a plastic card or something to spread mm, it. I saw that, yeah, and I saw you that. You can get it. a really, really quick coat um, done on it. Whereas I find if you're trying to roll something like that, um, it's hard to keep a wet edge. Yeah. on a really long table yeah. whereas yeah just pouring it, it on and using the card to spread it is, is a really good good <clears throat> fast step coc actually t told me that i um i think it was i've got a lot of experience with danish oil and it really is just in in my eyes it's just working just like danish oil would but seems mm -hmm. to build a bit faster and so treating it as an oil more than a, a urethane because uh, it really is an oil uh, as far as i can tell um it really seems to work well, and thinking about it from a Danish oil point of view, it's just lots of thin coats will get you to where you want to be, rather than you know a couple of heavy coats. Especially the same with Danish oil, you get a drip of Osmo, and it's not going to dry; it's just going to stay gummy. And if you try and go over top of it, it's just going to get worse. It's, it's never going to dry. So um, just got to peel off any drips or you know kind of gummy stuff from the from the day before, and and let it air out for a little bit before you sand it. Yeah, but it's a lovely finish though. It's the uh, yeah that waxiness so of it is yeah. oh man, it's beautiful. Cool. So uh, stairs, chairs, anything else? Uh, oh yeah, I've got a kitchen on the way as well. Dad's helping me with that, and um, but oh, I'm just at the same time I'm starting an oak 
desk and a sideboard for a renovation and that's going to be interesting I might have bitten off a bit much there but um, <laughs> I've just started what, what a transformation from a couple of weeks ago <laughs> we're going to have no work in the near future we're all just going to fold yeah. to yeah. can't put it on and that's amazing that's so I awesome am, I'm, I'm so, still like completely I don't know what to think because I still feel like the bottom's got to drop out at some point <laughs> so um, but you know what's crazy over here people have just started selling houses again and the house house prices are more than they've ever been anywhere yeah it's the big uh, property can't, can't work that out yeah the big property um, uh, whatever they call it yeah. depression yeah it doesn't exist so I'm not sure that's crazy crazy things yeah. So Brian, you've also been you've just finished off something recently that um what now it's ch- is it a chest of drawers? Uh yeah, it was a chest of drawers. I actually finished it about um about a month ago and um just got it shot and posted the images this week. Um it's a chest of drawers, but I kind of designed it that it could be a dresser or a sideboard kind of piece. I didn't really wanna so I can pretty easily customize it put more cupboard space in put more drawers in but that was actually that was for my son so that's a like a change table for my son yeah and got all his stuff in it and he can inherit it for his 21st birthday um so got that finished i finished my hallway unit that i did for the client the kind of slanted thing with the plant shelf on it um so i need to borrow that back and get that shot of that against a you took the shot of that against a window, right? I did, yeah. Is it yeah. going to stay there? Because it's it looks really dramatic in that spot. That's the window in my workshop. <laughs> I just oh, I, okay. I took the railing down for the for the shot because the the shadows were being cast across it and it was maybe a bit too much. So yeah, I just took the railing down, shot it, delivered it, and then I've got another piece that I'm working on at the minute. And once I finish that, I'll borrow the coffee t- uh, borrow the hallway piece back and just shoot them together. Yeah. Do so it properly. I wanted to ask Brian and Robin, mm-hmm. I'm sure you can um, weigh in. Um, so I had a few people seeing my pictures of the chairs on Instagram saying, oh, good, now that you've spent all this time, you can just batch out hundreds of these chairs now that you've got all the jigs. And that's not the case at all. But uh, I wanted to ask, because you just mentioned if you, that you could customize this chest of drawers. Um, mm-hmm. Are you able to easily just replicate that? have you still got jigs and processes or is it kind of like a rebuild from scratch but you know what you're doing this time it would still be a rebuild from like i don't think in fact i do have some jigs i have some of the pattern jigs that i use to get the radiuses on the support frame yeah um and i actually made them in a way that they weren't specific to that piece and i can just kind of clamp that to any radius and create the same thing um I don't, a piece like that where it is all square edges I do find customizing it to be pretty easy like yeah, if it's yeah, just yeah. moving a central fin or changing the drawer sizes yeah. it's through the software that I use to design the pieces it is a pretty quick change but I know exactly what you mean with chairs the fact that there's so many more processes involved and especially your curved backs like to say oh batch them out and they're going to be half <laughs> the price for the next one it's like it's, it's not it, I, I, it doesn't it's, make any sense I would I couldn't, if, if the same client asked for another 12 chairs, I would have to start from scratch again, um, pretty much. I've got, I've got two jigs that are probably reusable. Oh, every why, other, every why other process is because I made a, a pine mock-up of the chair, exactly mm. how it was going to be, and then 
I had to, once I made that and had the whole chair mock-up like looking good, I then had to kind of work out how to make all those pieces again because I didn't have a jig to make the first piece. It was just all kind of by eye, hand shaping, getting everything to fit just right. And then once I had the basic shape and form of each of those curved pieces, it was like, how can I mass produce, or how can I make 12 of these? And so I would actually take the part I, I had made and use that as a template slash jig. And by the, time, oh, right. by the time I'd used that and done a left and a right-hand version for each of those pieces, that pieces are like Swiss cheese and like had been hit with a router and, you know, whatever I had to do, sometimes just hack a piece off it so it fitted in the machine I was trying to use because I didn't need the back half of it. I just cut it off so I could actually use the piece. And so a lot of – I'm going to show it. would be interesting to see what the initial <laughs> – piece mock-up looks like now sitting next to a finished one it's just kind of barely hanging together with hardly most of it's gone because i've just i've kind of uh, ransacked it for all its pieces and used them as straight templates and, and guides for my jigs and especially with the uh, with the panther router which has saved my life with the chairs you really have to make quite complex jigs to, to get the joinery to work for non-square work um, and I, I was literally just cutting bit jigs in half so I could flip it around and use it on the left hand side and the right hand side and, and make them um, you know reversible which means I could never do that and make them again I would never be able to make the same chair again because the jigs are gone so um, yeah I just I look at, at what Byrne does and yeah. I imagine he's got a wall and he's like what what chair am I going to make today? And I'll pull this set of jigs off the wall and out. That's, to me, that's what chair building seems like. It's all jigs. It should be, I think. I think it should be. I think I've maybe shot myself in the foot, but I, I got to a point where I was like, ah, if I actually saved this and made a copy of my jig and put my original jig on the wall and then just used my copy of my jig, but I've already cut it in half now, so, you know, what, what am I going to do? Um, and actually, I'm I not sure so if many, I want to. I have so many jigs littering the walls of pieces that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll make that again. <laughs> Never. Nah. nah. Yeah. All right. Wall I, of shame. Yeah, I started throwing <laughs> all my jigs away long ago whenever I did like bent lambs or steam bent stuff. And I, oh, yeah, I'll make another headboard and I'll just use the same shape because no one wants that same shape. So um, it just goes in the bin. It's good to hear that because after this project that I've done, I've got these big yeah. chunks of MDF sitting like at floating around the shop. They've got nowhere to go. And I keep looking at them going, should I, should I just toss them? Because you've got to, you've got to keep them in good Nick to make them worthwhile. So you can't just chuck them in the, you know, somewhere. Could you, and, uh, could you build some shelves sort of underneath your joists maybe? maybe. I should, I should. Yeah. The, one of the next things I'm going to be doing next projects is to build a proper workbench and concentrate on the, the shop a bit more, getting better storage and stuff. And I've got some uh, steel angles, just 90 degrees, that I want to put onto the walls for uh, timber storage. You know, anything that's coming into the shop to acclimate. You know, my workbench or my assembly bench, the bottom half is just timber, just, just thrown in underneath. And I mean, I've got the biggest wheels I could find, but at some point they're going to break because there's a lot of weight at the bottom of it. So it needs to go up on the wall, as you say, Brian. You know, uh, Robin, if you could, you get some like steel pipe and screw it across the joists, perpendicular to the joists, and say at like 300 mil centers or something like that, and you could slide timber yep. down in between your joists and use that space as 
and it's already kind of partitioned and you could kind of like have it by species or size in your ceiling. Already started doing that with the, right. the more um, uh, structural stuff. You know, any leftover two by fours. I've got a yeah. couple of 120s up there. Um, but the, I guess the, 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 the problem with it is you, and I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being ridiculous, but I feel like if I start storing timber up there, I'm starting to add more weight to the floor. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, no. this is an old <laughs> this is an old house with sagging floors i mean there's a, you know i've always just thought to myself rather put it on the wall because that'd be safer or do you reckon it's brian how many people is the design the floor designed to hold many. many i'd say even if there is a bit of rot in any of the structural members i'd say you'd be all right adding adding even i don't know yeah I don't want to put it. I don't want to put a number to it. You legally. could probably put three hundred <laughs> kilos on it. I get timber. I get a phone call. Your floor should be able to take like twenty people if you have a dinner party. So, yeah, you know, say, twenty times a hundred kilos. Yeah, mm. yeah, which is a fair point, and maybe I should use because, as you say, I mean, that's just waste of space, and it sits in between the joists, so it's it's perfect. It's the perfect mm. spot to put it. Yeah, maybe I should. What I've done in the past is just screwed some plywood strips straight up into the joist. And then just yep. slid it over the top of that. Yeah, so right. I don't even don't even go to the steel pipe around, yeah. just a couple of screws, yeah. Yeah. And well. so Robin, you finished the table. Yeah, and uh really happy it's done. It's yeah. it's been so nice to have a, a dining table. You know, we've so we've got uh for those who don't know, I've got it's me, my wife, and my two year old turned two five days ago. And we've owned you know, when it was myself and my wife, we would sit in front of the TV and watch dinner, uh, uh, watch TV and, and eat dinner. That's how we had dinner. Then we did our kitchen renovation and the three of us would sit on the, the island, the, at the island bench, my two-year-old on this bar stool, basically <laughs> one of us next to her the whole time, to, you know. <laughs> yeah. And so it's so nice to have a space to properly eat dinner. The, the tables turned out perfectly. I'm happy with everything. The finish came out great. Everything is nice. The look, everything. There's one problem with it though that I, that I didn't see coming and I might need to address this in the future. When you build a square table and your rails intersect the leg on two sides, yeah. that gives that leg a fair amount yeah. of, of strength in terms yeah. of you know, moving it in each direction. Yeah. When you create that cross piece like I did, all of your, all of your strength is in that half lap join. Now, luckily, I did two half lap joints, so you've got mm. the, the bottom and the top rail to give it strength. But if you consider um, taking half the legs, so if you've got two pieces crossed, if you take one of those pieces and push two legs in one direction, everything is relying on that half lap joint. Yeah. And because and the you top... You could kick a leg off, is what you're saying. Pre pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. And because that top is so heavy, because it's using that, that Morton Bay Ash, which is heavy, there's too much play in the table. I'm not happy it with it. It does it rotate a bit. And that's the second thing. Rotational. Yeah. There's, it's so weird. So like if you push the table, there's a little too much play, more than I'm comfortable with. I mean, you'd need to give it a proper good kick if you wanted to do any damage. Yeah. But, you know, there's a little too much. But where there's a lot more is if you use it like a steering wheel. Yeah. There's a lot of movements in that. So I, I, I went it's back. It's interesting because my, my table had the same problem. 
I looked at yours. So I went back and looked at a couple of yeah. different videos on it. Um, Andy Rawls did one as well. Yeah. And I saw yours and I thought, well, yours must have the same, must have the same thing. Well, it did. I must say it did because it no longer really exists. So <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was going to say, how did you remedy it? But <laughs> you remedied it by I unscrewed the it? top and then you like threw it off the deck. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's I burnt some of it the other night actually in the fire <laughs> was that because it was just it just it, it actually did it, got worse it got did it get worse, worse yeah um, and I, nothing cracked I don't know how it got worse but the the amount of rotation it probably would rotate the top could rotate relative to a leg maybe 20 mil sure so like enough that you you get onto your seat and bump the thing you bump the tabletop and everyone's drinks like slosh over the side <laughs> okay. and you're like well this sucks yeah um, yeah i a fish think, pond a fish, so, a fish bowl on mine and those poor fish yeah i think the problem with my one was the original design that i copied and i had permission to straight up copy it um he had used like 60 mil thick teak for his and so way more sturdiness in the joinery. And I had only just enough. I had 60 mil stock, but I had to rip it down to, in half to have enough timber to build or build it the way I did. And I think that killed it. I think if I had, had everything beefed up at that 60 mil stock level, there would be enough meat in the joinery to actually support and enough weight in, in the base to do what I had to do. Um, and, and I don't know what the... It must be like a secret untold problem with round tables because you think so many people have round tables yeah. and especially like the hairpin leg style, they must all twist. I, I imagine. Yeah. Now I've got a solution and it's going to come down to whether I want to do this or not, whether I want to go to the, the length. You've got the top and the, the, the bottom rail. In that bottom rail where it crosses, I'm not going to come too far out, but if I put 45 pieces in between that cross, mm. you know, in each one of those angles, yeah. that should help. Kind of I mean, spider I that, web it. Yeah. Yeah, I can't say that it will, but I suspect that it will improve it. I think if you just did that up, up the top. But the top's attached, the, the top cross rail is attached to the top, so surely there's no, yeah, true. There's no movement there. Yeah, it could, yeah, it's, it's, it'd be interesting to actually like hang a plumb bob off the side of it and, and twist it slowly and kind of fix a leg point and see what is flexing. Is it mm. the joint that's flexing or is it just straight up the thinness of the leg stock that is flexing under under load? Yeah, I can see it. I can see what's going on. The, the leg is pivoting at the top where it joins the table. Right. The whole leg is, you know, it's pivoting there and then the base is staying still. And it's because you've got no... It's, sorry to everyone who's listening because I'm yeah, using my hands to here to explain. <laughs> but you've got no timber deleting into it in the yeah. direction of your force yeah, it's not right. it's 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 um i don't know what you'd call that um yeah. it's perpendicular um, to that yeah. brian have you done a, a round table before i was just trying to think about if i've done a round dining table i, I don't think i have oh no i did actually i did one with a steel frame base right. a, a boardroom oh. table and there was a little bit of twist in it but it was very, like it was maybe 10 mil rod or 8 mil rod like a big wireframe base right. so I was expecting there to be a little bit of flex in it it's maybe 10 mil across a 1400 diameter table of sort of twist which yeah. to me was okay yeah. that was acceptable but um, 
smaller coffee tables and things, it's obviously it's not the same yeah, problem. The same. You don't really get the no. same forces. You don't right? have a body weight leaning on it. And that, that's yeah. the nah. problem. Nah. It's really but, interesting. You um, lean on it, down, mm -hmm. rock solid. Yep. No movement Fine. at all. Yep. It's just in that one, that one it's direction. It's really weak in that plane, in that, in that circular plane. Um, and I don't, know, I don't know what really the solution is because round tables have been around since Adam, but... Um, I Maybe think it's the, the middle piece when you see them made with like a big chunky middle piece. A pedestal. A yeah. pedestal, that's I the I think word. that's going to stop it. Stop it. Uh, Even if you had something to tie, like, I don't know, there's a bit of steel or something at a lower level that ties the legs together. But like you, a cross. But you've got to, you're, you're right, but you've got to consider I know you've got to get your chairs in. Yeah, that's yeah. it. What, yeah. what I um, came up with for a possible solution for mine was to actually put like a three mil aluminium plate on the underneath the feet right on the floor level and it would piss you off because it would keep catching on your chair legs but yeah. you could just walk on it easy like it wouldn't trip on it you could sit there and your knees wouldn't get in the way It'd be like a flat like a big flat disc on the ground would, would work but it's a stupid answer but it, it would fix the problem i think of supporting the legs i still don't think it will because no. the, the the feet will stay there and the, the, would twist the separately. legs would, would twist yeah yeah, so, you know, as I'm, I'm living with it for now. I think it's something I might revisit. And I think it would be an interesting video as well mm. to, um, to go back and, and revisit and fix that. And it, I know this probably um, doesn't make you feel better, Joey, but I'm so stoked to hear you saying that. Because well, fine. <laughs> I, I, I looked at that and I just thought, I am a fraud. I, am a, <laughs> well, I, I thought that when mine this. did it. I was like, why in the hell does it twist? Like, it doesn't make any sense. And the, also... The bigger problem with mine that I don't think you would have so much, I had all these curvy legs and I couldn't just add pieces in, but you, with your your table being straighter, with straighter kind of members, um, it's going to be easier to tie in extra timber if you have to. Yeah. And for me, and, and my wife eventually just said, look, I'm sick of spilling the drinks, the kids are spilling everything. Let's yeah, that'd be like, frustrating. What yeah, are we sure. going to do? And so... I just now have a big, a big round disc of red oak under the house. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with. <laughs> it, was, um, it was funny your mention of hairpin legs there, Joey. Yeah. Um, it's actually something that I never thought I would do. I always sort of thought myself was kind of in a fine furniture world. <laughs> yeah. And our conversations that we were having about... Um, trying to do pieces that were more affordable mm -hmm. and maybe come in with a lower product line that, um, I don't know, would drive a few sales. I've spoken to a friend of mine and I'm going to try something out. I'm going to try my star map tables mm -hmm. um, yeah. on a separate website, okay. like starting a sub-brand website yeah. and really oh, simpli simplified, you know, not mass customization. You pick your date and time that you want the star map. You pick your diameter of table. That's cool. And your height of table, and that's basically it. You know, I'm not going to take orders on people wanting yeah. one that's 790 mil instead <laughs> of 750 mil. I'm mm. like, this is how it's done. Yeah. I've set up the the CAD files yeah. to cut all the rebates for the legs and everything. And um, that's cool. Yeah, I'm in the process of, of working through that. Like, I just reached a point where I'm like, what is my opposition to, to buying an off the shelf uh, steel leg? Yeah. Like what? When mm. people are buying them, like, and there's, there's sort of mid-range uh, in terms of price, mid-range furniture being sold with hairpin legs. Yeah. But why do I have to make everything 
Like, of course, if somebody yeah. wants me to make the timber base for it, that's fine. But I, I th- I'm going to try to explore that sort of lower middle range of the market rather than the upper middle um, just by doing it. So it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. That's really cool. And I saw recently the other day you had a picture of um, hanging one of your star tables up, like taking yeah. the legs off. And you could yep. actually have that on your website as just, you could just buy it as a wall art and no legs. Mm, yep. I and agree. then add, add another $120 yep. for the legs or whatever. Yeah, yep. that's sort of the, that's the plan. Um, and would you ship it flat pack then and they can just screw it together? Yep. yep. Yeah, why not? Yeah. It's just what, six screws Again, or it takes out a massive headache of building large boxes and trying to protect things in shipping. Um, yeah. Whereas, yeah, flat packing it. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. I still, I'm just sort of playing with the website at the minute and trying mm-hmm. to work out the best platform to sell it on. You could even go one step further with that and, and approach a company doing the legs and you both have you know, separate orders, so to speak, going to the same place at one point. So you're just shipping the top. I was thinking that's not that. a bad idea. Yeah. That's and not the, a bad idea. There's a, there's a company called, I think it's Australian Hairpin Legs in Melbourne. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know them, yeah. I did some work with them on a coffee table. Um, probably two years ago, so they sponsored one of the videos. And it's all Australian made. You know, it's, it's local, it's there in Melbourne, and the quality is fine. I've never had any issues with it. So, yeah, you ship out the, t- the top, they ship out the legs, mm-hmm. boom, 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 kit table, make your own. Well, that's what I was thinking mm. straight away, Brian, is because I can see making a package to ship a flat tabletop is pretty straightforward, but then you've got to somehow lump on a box with legs in it, which would be annoying. But if it just came straight from the supplier, um, and they're, they're in their own box. You just ship yeah, them out. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. Ship not one, one idea. flat kind of cardboard foam wrapped pizza out. <laughs> yeah. You just need big pizza boxes. That's nice big square pizza box. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'd be cool. Yeah. Make like a three mil thick plywood um, pizza box. <laughs> yeah. It was very yeah, cool seeing it as a, as, a, as a wall art. I must say I saw that and mm. thought that is, that is gold, especially if you customize it. So it's, you know, mm. if it's somebody, somebody was on, um, I can't remember who it was, somebody on Instagram was on at me years ago, make, make these as wall art, make them as wall art. And I'm like, I don't really think they'll just sell as wall art. So I kind of thought the idea of combining it, that it could be a coffee table or it could be wall art. Um, I thought that might make it a bit, a bit better. So two immediate thoughts there would be, um, surely you, would you add, like you could do a name and a birthday? Yep. On there. So I've got, in, they're all engraved yep. on the back. Yeah. And then um, would it, one option I'm thinking of, I don't know if they exist, but you could, ha- surely there must be a fold down leg that just has a little gusset. So you the leg folds out from the table base, a little gusset pops into place and then you've got a coffee table and then just click the legs down and then it's flat. That'd be a lot of, a lot of hardware behind your piece of wall art. You're going to need a, Going to a stud for sure. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that way you just sell one product. Oh, yeah. It's not either or. It's just yeah. Brian gets 400 of these legs made sitting in a box and then he just screws them on himself to the, the, the wooden pizza and that's it. I don't know. It's just an option. Yeah. Yeah, I suppose um, then it's going to... Well, I'm trying to think what depth of timber you'd need to sort of... Well, yeah, what depth, something in what, that it would how thick are these tables? They're about 24, 25 ah, okay, mil. so they're not, yeah. not thick enough, really. No, they're pretty skinny little. <clears throat> well, that's cool. But I, I could definitely see that being, even if you had some 
some feet or something that rested it and floated it off a wall when it sort of became became warm. Well, you know, the but, legs, um, in that case, the legs in the sticking that had folded down could actually be the mounting bracket to screw it onto the wall with. True. And that true, would, yeah. it would float off the wall that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it would it would mean redesigning the wheel a bit and making your own, having your, a leg and someone produce some basic kind of folded, folded metal in a leg slash brackets, but it might be an interesting thought. All right, so I reckon that pretty much catches us all up. I don't think we've done an episode where I don't think we've done an episode where we talk about what we're doing. I, I actually no, don't think we've ever done one. Time, honestly, I don't think we have. Not yeah. for ages. I was. I wanted to ask quickly, Brian. Um, what's the workload for you like? It's mixed. Yeah, it's um, still lots of small inquiries, mm-hmm. which again I don't really have a problem with. Uh, it just means lots more customers. <coughs> To, to constantly talk to and liaise delivery and collection times and things like that. But it's manageable. Um, I've had a few inquiries for freestanding desk, mm-hmm. a built-in reception desk for a hotel, um, a couple of beds. <coughs> so there are still inquiries yeah. coming. It's good. just definitely they're, they're, they're smaller scale than they were. But it's not too bad. <coughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. It's not dead I quiet. think the bigger work... Potentially could start to come, but it's going to be mainly built in, like the Victorian or not Victorian. The federal government here just announced a building grant yesterday that anybody doing a renovation over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars will get twenty five thousand dollar grant wow. towards it, um, which That's is a true. nice, which is a nice bonus. There are some criteria on it, like what you earn, how much your house is worth. Can you spend seeing, that on anything? You can spend it on it. It has to go. It has to be part of the building contract. Uh, so there could still be the opportunity there yeah. for builders to subcontract me to produce things yeah. in for homes, kitchen furniture stuff. Built in, yeah, yeah, even an island bench yeah. or something like that yeah. could you know easily be part of a renovation. That's awesome. So they're kind of calling that about a six hundred and sixty million dollar grants process. Wow! But you never know where the Australian government <laughs> pull their facts and figures from. They. They got the JobKeeper one pretty wrong, um, <laughs> but never mind. Um, so yeah, hopefully, hopefully those jobs start to appear in the in the next three to six months. I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, until then, like we got winter coming. Winter tends to be my busiest time when okay. people are spending spending more time inside looking yeah. at their their decor and upgrading things. So hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, well, it's certainly not the the doomsday prophecy that we talked about a couple months no, ago, which is awesome. Not yet. Nope. It's, not yet. It's looking pretty not good. Yet. <laughs> not, not yet. yet. <laughs> yeah. cool. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. All right, so to everyone listening, I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please go ahead and give it a rating on iTunes. That really does help us out. Shopstool Podcast is available on iTunes and most other podcast apps. My name is Robin Lewis. Joey and Brian, thanks very much for hanging out today. Take care, everyone, and we will see you in the next show. All good. See ya. Catch you, guys.